Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. A special Eroctus committee we learned last night is to examine the issue of voluntary assisted dying. They'll commence work early in the new year and will run for nine months thereafter making recommendations to the Dáil on the issue. Uh, assisted suicide is not uh, obviously a, p- a part of, of the legislation here in this country, although in a case that was taken a number of years ago, the recommendation from uh, the uh, Supreme Court was that the government should legislate around the issue. Um, it's obviously a very divisive topic. Should people have the right to choose when they die? Obviously, it is specifically aimed in most countries where it is legal, and there are seven of them at this stage. It is specifically for people who have a terminal diagnosis. Uh, So, you know, this issue um, is going to be, I imagine, probably one of the more divisive we've ever dealt with in Irish society, possibly following on from the same-sex marriage debate and the appeal of the Eighth Amendment. Um, I'm joined on the programme now by Gino Kenny, People Before Profit TD uh, for Dublin Midwest. Gino, you have been um, vocal on the issue of tackling and examining uh, assisted suicide as it's sort of commonly known. You put forward a bill yourself which was kicked back actually by uh, the Oireachtas Justice Committee last year, I think, was it? Do you know, this kind of news last night that we are actually going to uh, have progress in terms of a a, a committee going to look at this issue and going to do so early in the new year, it took me by surprise. Did it take you by surprise? Um, No, no, it didn't, Tara. And thanks for having me on your show. Um, First of all, I wouldn't kind of frame it in a kind of way that it will, it's going to be divisive. I don't think it will. Uh, other issues have been slightly divisive, um, but I don't think uh, this will be. I think if people respect other, other each, each other's ideas and, um, and kind of views, I don't think we need to go down that, that road. Uh, and this is an issue that I've been kind of, I suppose, highlighting for the last um, over year in relation to I introduced the bill um, this time last year, and it went, it passed to the second stage in the Dáil, uh, to it goes to the committee, justice committee, and that justice committee then made a recommendation to um, bring to uh, commence a, a special Oireachtas committee to you know to look at and scrutinise the issue. Now, it didn't recommend that my bill to go forward to kind of legis- the legislative kind of road. But uh, it's recommended. One of its recommendations was to uh, set up a justice or set up a special rockets committee, which will happen in January. So that's welcome. Uh, you'll hear the full spectrum of the debate from you know civic side, the medical side, the legal side, um, and the patient side, which is the most important. Okay. So uh, we'll have all them kind of views. That will be in public session, and we'll scrutinise uh, the, the committee itself. Will scrutinise the issue. 
Um, a lot of people, Gina, sorry, let me just stop you there briefly because a lot of people uh, don't necessarily understanding the workings of the houses of the Oireachtas and how legislation yes. actually passes through. So maybe just break it down for us. What exactly will this committee involve? You've mentioned it'll be held in public session. It'll yeah. hear from a variety of the voices that have yeah. a, an opinion and something to say on this matter. But maybe yeah. break it down for us. Who are yeah. we going to be hearing from precisely and what are they likely to tell us? Uh, and, right. and to what end? Well, look, first of all, the duration of this, the committee will be nine months. Uh, the composition of the committee will be nine TDs and five centres. Um, and then there's obviously uh, there's, uh, a chair. And in all that, um, then they kind of invite witnesses in to give testimony in regards to the whole issue. So that's a process over that period of time. And at the end of that nine months, it'll make its recommendations to the doll. Now, then recommendations could be anything. Um, could be legislative change. It could be kind of more scrutiny. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the process. And people will hear, as I said, from opposing view, um, those that are support uh, the issue around voluntary assisted dying, those that are quite neutral uh, on the issue. So it will be a kind of full spectrum of uh, all the kind of the views around I'm thinking, for example, of, of a, a similar process that was involved um, in advance of the uh, the vote to repeal the Eighth Amendment, mm. where we heard from the likes of, uh, you know, obstetricians, gynecologists, patients, women who and couples who had um, maybe had to travel to the UK to access abortion in cases like fatal fetal abnormality and that kind yeah. of thing. So it'll be yeah. a variety of the voices. Um, and, you know... W- you, obviously, you know, your bill passed stage one last time. It was kicked back and that was really because of a legal technicality, I think, as much yeah. as anything else. Do you sense there is an appetite um, that that this issue should be and will be tackled? I, 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 I appreciate so. it starting in January. There's nine months. You know, mm. are we going to be kicking it in then to, oh, well, we could still be dealing with COVID and things will be delayed or, oh, well, actually, there's a general election coming up maybe the year after that. And so let's just kick the can down the road and let whoever comes in afterward deal with it. No, um, I mean, I think there's an appetite to definitely scrutinise the issue and examine uh, the issue of voluntary dying. This is a very, very complex issue, and quite you have to be quite sensitive in how you deal with the, the issue. And you will hear from the whole, as I said, the broad spectrum of the debate. Uh, you will hear from kind of those that are in palliative care. You'll hear from doctors that support it. Doctors are against. You will hear patients that are for it. Uh, patients are against. You will hear legal opinion that are for and against. And you will hear everything in between. I mean, what I would say. Tara, is that I would point to there was a recent poll done a number of weeks ago um, and on all indications from previous polls suggest that two thirds of people polled would support the issue around uh, legal change of voluntary assisted dying. Now that's consistent. That is consistent. And if you go outside Ireland, you see in Britain it's even higher. It's over 80%. So where you see countries where they have legislated for this, there is majority support when you put all the facts on the table um, without kind of being kind of um, uh, how would you say alarmist alarmist when yeah you put, when you put all the facts on the table the majority of people regardless where what country it is will support the issue and I understand people would oppose this on moral grounds ethical grounds I completely understand that now that's kind of sounds kind of counterintuitive 
for a person that supports the issue. But I under, completely understand mm. um, that somebody would oppose this issue. Mm-hmm. But I always, I always pose this question. If somebody's in the position that has a terminal illness, right, and the vast majority of people that have terminus will never ever avail of this legislation, mm-hmm. but there, there's a small cohort of people that may want to, and they should have a choice in relation to when they want to die, right? I, I, that's a fundamental right to me, you know? And when that situation arises, a very profoundly sad situation, uh, when that uh, situation arises, that person should have the legal and medical right to say, look, I want to forego a certain period of that time. It could be weeks, it could be days, it could be months. Mm. And I want to do that, in uh, you know, of my choice. I want my family around me. I want my friends to be there at that time. And I want to do it at that stage. And they should have the legal right to do it. You know, and I think I think we will I think we will see assisted dying in Ireland when it's but once it's done in a very kind of paternal way, a respectful way, and all the facts are you know upon the table, and we must not. Tar, tar, this is very very important. We must not conflate the issue of suicide and assisted dying. No, we absolutely. Just, yeah. We just can't. We just can't. Mm. And it's very important that people understand those that have a terminus, you know, that may want to avail of this legislation and are suicidal. So it's just really important that, mm-hmm. you know, we don't conflate the two issues. How do you envisage um, that? You know, look, there, there are people who are, who are, as you say, have, have really strong uh, both moral and ethical objections to this. There's also then those who would just have a worry and a concern that while, you know, theoretically they might support a person's right to choose to, to die mm. in their own time uh, if they are facing something like a terminal diagnosis. There are others who fear it'll lead to exploitation of people who are vulnerable. Very vulnerable. Well, there's, well, there's no evidence of that. You know, where voluntary assisted dying has been legislated for, it's been legislated in a number of countries and growing, there's no evidence whatsoever that somebody has been coerced into making that decision. Because it's a voluntary decision, and only that person can make that decision. So once you put adequate safeguards in place, uh, and nothing is a hundred percent, but once you put the safeguards in place, where the scrutiny, you know, you know, with the person in relation to two independent doctors, and possibly even going before, you know, a committee of people to say, look, are they of sound mind? Because they would have to be of sound mind, completely compensated to make the decision. Are they, you know, do they have a terminus? course you know is that going to be life limiting you know obviously that's a diagnosis and you know once they meet that criteria you know um then somebody should have you know the legal and medical right then to avail of it and in some cases in some cases Tara, it's happened where people have availed of it but you know they haven't you know they haven't gone through with the procedure mm-hmm. in relation to uh, assisted dying so mm-hmm. i think and it's a, it's a comfort i know people to have the terminus, friends of mine, and they would support it. They probably never ever use it because there is situations where somebody will want every single minute, every single second of their life, regardless of how much pain could be involved. But there is some people in a situation uh, that may not want that, and they want to choose a date and a time of their kind of passing, as I said, with their friends. And again, I think that's a fundamental right. And other countries are kind of seeing the kind of, uh, I suppose. You know, they're having that debate. And as I said, other countries are beginning to, you know, look at this, scrutinise it, and have a rational debate 
uh, in relation to a voluntary system. Yeah. And in actual fact, some votes as well. I know New Zealand voted um, exactly. to legislate for it. I think it's actually the, the system um, to apply now um, mm. for um, assisted dying is actually just come into being in New Zealand. Exactly. Just, in, just in relation to the terminal diagnosis, do you foresee that um, this would be limited to, and that ha- there, there would be guidelines and regulations around it being a physical terminal diagnosis? You could yeah. have people, you know, who would argue uh, um, that, you know, a, a diagnosis of, of, a, of a very grave psychiatric illness that they've endured and suffered for years or decades is yeah. life limiting. Yeah. No, I mean... We're very explicit about this. Somebody of advanced age, somebody with a history of mental illness or somebody with a disability could never avail of this legislation. They could just never. You know, that's not where I, you know, have put this bill forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a situation where somebody, you know, their terminus is progressive. You know, it's life limiting and they want to have a choice. And uh, we're, we're seeing, like, as I said, in New Zealand, they had a popular referendum last year 68% agreed with the issue of changing the law and you've seen what's happened in Spain Portugal even Scotland you could see a situation where the law could change so there's an ever-growing kind of um, uh, amount of jurisdictions across the world that are examining this issue rationally and hopefully hopefully in Ireland we'll see a situation where assisted dying is available for those that you know may want to avail may want to avail it's not slippery soap it's not a slippery soap and by any means, you know, just look at the evidence because we all kind of look to the evidence in this, right? The evidence is where assisted dying has been uh, legislated for. There is no evidence that this is, a, you know, a, a slippery slope or, you know, where people are coerced for, you know, mm-hmm. for various reasons. So that doesn't, you know, there's no evidence <clears throat> whatsoever. Okay. All right, Gino Kenny, uh, People Before Profit TD, an architect of a previous bill on the issue. Thanks very much for joining us on the Nile Boylan Show today. What do you think? Are you reassured by what Gino had to say there about the provisions that are likely to be in place to protect more vulnerable people, to um, make this for people who have terminal and progressively terminal illnesses, physical illnesses alone? Do you think that this is just wrong? People should just let nature take its course. If you are dying anyway and we could argue we're all dying but if you have a a devastating terminal diagnosis should you just let nature take its course you are going to die anyway and that that's the right way to to, to do it what do you think get in touch with us 0871880008 Gerben you're from the Netherlands I believe you've had yeah, well, assisted yeah. dying there for quite some time yeah it's been um, it's been uh, legalised in Holland already since 2002 to be honest um, I'm also the PRO for a new registered political party. It's called the Party for Animal Welfare. We are registered since February 2020 as the only uh, uh, party which re- represents the voiceless, the voiceless animals. And we as humans also belong to animals in, in a way. Um, uh, so our sister party in the Netherlands, it's called the Party for Animal Welfare, they have actually seven deputies. So they have, uh, they have several MPs. And um, so somebody uh, might have seen it as a joke, but it started off and now um, um, it's one of the fastest growing political parties in Holland. But I'm trying to say uh, about I think people should have the right to choose to end their life, my personal opinion. And it should also be enshrined in uh, in somebody's will. Um, so 
and it should be not uh, um, so um, when it comes to the wishes that I um, so I think the society uh, have the resp- responsibility to prevent people from seeing themselves as a burden to others and um, and so as no longer feeling welcome in the society. So okay, so, so just, just, Gerben, just to just to, 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 to pull that yeah. one out, to thrash that one out a little bit, because that that's precisely the type of situation that I was that I was talking to Gino Kenny about, about some yeah. people who would feel that there are people who will be very vulnerable and will be feeling as though, oh, you know, I'm such a burden to my partner or my husband or my children. They're left, uh, you know, looking after me and I, I need to be fed and I need to be clothed and I need to be changed and I, you know, and I'm a burden. So the easiest thing, therefore, is for me to, um, if we have the right to die here, to choose that. But they're maybe not doing it because their own feeling is that their illness is too much for them to be able to live with, that they're actually doing it because they feel their illness is too much for their family and close support network to be able to cope with. Yes, exactly. But they they would have described it in their their will, and that's why the will is so important. Um, and so I would encourage everybody to clear, clearly describe it in their will. If you have not made up your will, I definitely would advise you to uh, to do so. And also, when it comes to a time that you maybe not in 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 the in the sense for it can happen to me or, or to anybody, that you are at least have described in your will clearly. Well, if I if I if I live like uh, let's say if I turn up like a uh, like a plant if you uh, if you like that I want to end my life I, uh, um, in an in a sensible way and and not just take nature take its place or just hurt on classic of it of them so uh, thanks very much for that. Kerman, so, just just uh, finally on, on uh, you know the the issue that that Gino Kenny was pointing to, he was saying that of um, the locations in the world where uh, there is uh, legislation or constitutional access to assisted dying, there's no evidence that it's a slippery slope at all. What's the experience of of the Netherlands as you know it? The experience is it's uh, it's, it's very well because. Uh, people, you know, like people in their retirement age or people with uh, terminal illnesses get at very early stage via their GPs or via uh, our national health system, which is a different uh, uh, system than than being uh, being in Ireland. So they get a very advanced level information about uh, uh, assisted dying uh, and about all their options. Uh, it's completely transparent. Um, so self self determined uh, in a dignified manner, and that's very important uh, as well. I think we should handle this very carefully. It's a very sens- sensitive issue. At first, when this was introduced or proposed, introduced, of course, there was the obvious opposition from uh, certain religious organizations. But later on, they got watered down. So even they got convinced that this is the right approach. Mm-hmm. So it takes time. It takes, mm-hmm. definitely takes time. Absolutely. Are you convinced with what Gerben has to say about uh, his experience in the Netherlands? Are you, um, are you, you know, are you kind of maybe thinking that it is too potentially exploitative? I want you to get on the phone now. I want you to get in touch with the programme. Let us know what you think about this. 
Gino arguing, sort of saying he doesn't expect it'll be contentious. I'm not so sure about that. You know, I do still remember contention around the issue of same-sex marriage. Huge contention around the issue of, uh, of um, you know, where uh, of the repeal of the Eighth, Eighth Amendment. You know, if we had a poll tomorrow, if there was a referendum tomorrow on this, would you vote yes or would you vote no? Actually, why don't we just do that here now in the programme? Why don't you just text the word simply now, yes or no, and let us know how you would vote for for or against assisted uh, dying if there was going to be actually a real uh, trip to the ballot box on the issue tomorrow. Just message me 087-188-0008 with the word yes or no. That was an absolute deluge of uh, messages that we received there when we wanted to do our quick straw poll on whether you would support, if there was a vote tomorrow, the right to assisted dying overwhelmingly yes from the messages that I've seen come in. There have been literally hundreds, if not verging on a thousand or so in the last few minutes, even just during that ad break. Overwhelmingly yes in favour. A couple of no's, it has to be said. Uh, there are no's there. There are people who obviously have have um, you know strong oppositional views to this. But we want to know as well, if do you have experience of this? Have you nursed a loved one through a terminal illness? And did they express to you that they wished they could choose their own time to go. Or you, yourself, have you got a progressive illness um, and would like to be able to have the choice uh, to die in your own time with dignity uh, if you should so choose? Michelle, you're very welcome to the Nile Boylan Show. We, okay. Where are you on this? I mean, do you think that this is something that absolutely everybody should have a right to choose if they're faced with a terminal diagnosis, um, that they can go when it suits them? Yes. I do believe this, yes. Um, my aunt died there, it's actually four years ago, last week, um, and she had cancer for quite a long time. And I don't believe that she would have kind of let herself go as far as it did. Um, and to watch her die was absolutely heartbreaking for everybody in the family. Mm. And and so, she'd been fighting cancer for quite some time. She had, yeah. She had breast cancer. Um, I think she was in her 30s when she got it first. And that had went away. Um, she had been really well for a few years. And then it came back again and it had moved into various different parts of her body. Um, she actually gave up chemotherapy at one stage to try and get some sort of quality of life back. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was... You know, like she was going great for years and then it just hit out of the blue really quickly. And I don't think she would have liked to have, like her family were so good. Her husband, was he was absolutely brilliant. He looked after her and the daughters, the sons. But I don't think, you know, she would have liked to be like that. She was very independent, Mm. very out there, very friendly. And, you know, it was just absolutely heartbreaking to have to watch her go through that. And is it a conversation that you think many people are reluctant to have with their loved ones, even in the event that they have um, a, a very negative diagnosis? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because if I if I bring up the subject here with my husband or anything, he's like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. But personally, if it was me, I would like to be given the option. And should we, I mean, our contributor Gerben, he, Gerben, who, who has experience of mm. this in the Netherlands as an involved in a political party that, that advocates to, you know, to ensure that people can't be coerced mm. into this. You yeah. know, Ger- Gerben was making the point that 
it sh- we should all actually be putting this in our will, irrespective nearly of, the, of legislation mm. coming down the tracks or possibly a referendum coming down the tracks, that it's something that somebody should, you know, have stated I- in their will, yeah. and, you know, whether they, they want um, to be resuscitated, for example, in the event mm. of, of, a, of, a, of a, a horrific accident or incident. Yeah, I know there is, I suppose, very rare extreme circumstances where people come through these things like in a bad accident or that, you know. But personally, if I think if you're really sick for a long time and there's no going back, uh, to me, I would, yes, I would definitely put it in my will. I wasn't aware you could do that. Um, but yeah, I would like to be given the option to just go on my terms. Yeah, I don't think there's any legal standing mm. to have been contained in your will necessarily mm. right now, obviously, because it's it's illegal to certainly. Course, yeah. But, but to, to state your wishes... Do you think that we're very kind of backwards nearly in the way that we deal with death? We're scared of it. We're afraid of it. And so therefore we don't maybe talk about it in the way that we probably should. Yeah, I yeah, we are. I it's my biggest fear actually is dying, believe it or not. And every time I think of it, I'm like, oh my God. But um I would like to have the option of not not having everybody kind of looking after me and being dragged from hospital to tests and oh, you know. Mm. I'd like to, I suppose, if, if I was given a terminal diagnosis, I'd like to be able to say goodbye to my family when I'm fit and healthy and do things with them mm. and not have to wait, you know, months down the line where I can't even speak to them or recognise them or, you know, I wouldn't like it to get that far. I would like to be able to go away and do what I need to do on my own after I've said goodbye to them. On your own terms, Michelle, I think that's probably what a lot of people would, would want as well. Fiona, <laughs> thanks for joining us on the programme today. Do you, yeah. are, are you like Michelle? Do you think if it was your, if it was up to you, that it would be, that's the way you'd want to do it? You'd want to be able to, to go out on your own terms, in your own time, before you get to that point where you're really, really gravely ill and you're incapacitated? A hundred percent, absolutely. I mean, you know, like... You know, you're like we're adults, you know, once you have your full fact, faculties, I think, um, you know, it should be respected 100 percent. I, I I watched my mother die of cancer over years and it was horrific. And it was just, you know, you know, a, you know, there comes a stage in, in, in anyone's sickness life, uh, you know, when the sickness is such a long term thing. It's just it's it's so horrible. You're just watching your loved one get worse and worse and more sicker and no medication is helping or anything and it's it's horrendous it's not a nice thing to witness it's not a nice thing to go through um so i think absolutely you like yeah 100% you should be given your you know a choice did you ever have the conversation with your mother fiona um, well, unfortunately, no, because um, my I was in Australia when my mom actually got got um, got got sick. Now the like she was thirteen years battling with sickness with cancer. Now, in all fairness, but I was in Australia, so I just got a phone call saying that I had to come home, that there was no way mom was going to come out of this one. So, unfortunately, when I got home, my mom was um, she was so heavily sedated, she actually never came out of it. So. That was that wasn't really an option there, but my mum walked into A and E in James's on a Friday. She walked in on a Friday and she she never came out again. She was eleven days sedated, so she came out in a hurt, uh, like in a hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, but like she wasn't ready to go either. There was like she had no will made or anything, so there was no way she was ready to go. But that's 
just the way that went for her, you know. And do you think if you'd had the conversation or if any member of your family had had the conversation with her that her that your mother would have maybe expressed a, a, a want to be able to do it in her own terms, to not have it so late that by the time you got home, she was unconscious and you couldn't actually say your goodbyes. Do you think she would? I mean, obviously, you know the mother. She was, she, you know the woman. She was your mother. Do you think mm-hmm. that that if it had been an option, and it's, let's be clear, it's not an option now, but that if it had yeah. been an option, that it might have been something that she would have considered wanting to do? Oh, totally. Listen, I mean, she was fed up on so much medication after chemo. She was so fed up with it. She had like a, a, a like a plastic bag half filled with medication and made the stuff that she used to have to pump into her every day. It was horrendous. And she was, she was fed up, man. She, you know, she looked at me several times and she'd be just like, oh, I'm so fed up with this. And I know, having given the choice, I know my mom, she was such a beautiful, strong woman. She would have she would have wanted to, to, to have had a choice of just, like, uh, you know, just doing it before it got her, like, like you know, just be able to do it before she got so ill and so sick. And then, of course, you know, I mean, what mother wants to be sitting there and watching their child, you know, mm-hmm. you know, looking at them being so horribly sick? Like, no parent wants that. No parent wants their child to witness that. But then, but Fiona, on that point then, do you see the um, the concern that many people would have that the person who's there in pain, dying, um, reaching, coming towards the end of their life is going to make the decision motivated more for the fact that they don't want there to be a burden to their children or to their totally. husband, you know, and totally. so therefore, can can that decision be trusted then? Is there is there an element totally. of, 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 you know, Internal coercion, nearly. Well, look, I look, I think so. Unless you know, I I certainly think so. I mean, look, look, you don't look. No one knows until we're, you know you're in that situation what way you will think. Um, some people would be like, you know, some people will hang on to life with the, you know, with a fine tread, and they'll, you know, they they'll kick and scream until the last breath and all the rest but then there's you know there's a lot of other presenters that'll be like no fuck that I'm not doing that like no way that's just that's just horrendous you know it's horrendous for everyone around your love your family your loved ones to see that to see you go to just you know deteriorate so much it's it's horrendous it's massive trauma you never let that go so I think if you have um you know if you if you're if you're good enough in your head that you know what you're doing and you know I think absolutely give that person the 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 right and the respect to make up their own mind. Who is anyone else to say? No, you can't do that. It's yeah. just it's it's pretty awful. I think really you know. Yeah, I, I I there's a lot of people who'd say you shouldn't have the right to do it. You know, and and that that who are you to be making these decisions and going against uh, nature? Where are you on this? Have you experience of this? Do you know anyone who um has maybe travelled overseas because for some, that is a possibility and, and it's something that I know there's been a number of, of people from Ireland who have travelled to the Netherlands, for example, 
um, to avail of uh, assisted dying uh, when dealing with a terminal diagnosis. Do you know anyone? Do you have a relative at the moment? Or are you yourself maybe suffering from a progressive illness and would like to be able to have the option to go when you want to? Tara Duggan in for Nile on Ireland's classic hits today 087188 We're talking about the development in terms of uh, assisted dying. Uh, we're going to have an all-party Iraqis committee look at the issue from January onwards. They've been given nine months essentially. They'll hear from varying uh, voices with an interest and experience of the topic. They'll hear from people with terminal illnesses. They'll hear from medics who support it, medics who are against it. Um, and then they will make a recommendation and that should pave the way uh, for future developments in relation to the issue of assisted uh, dying here. Seven countries in the world have it in existence already. Belgium, Canada, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, New Zealand, who voted for it in a constitutional referendum last year. Spain, Switzerland, some parts of the United States and some parts of Australia as well. So are we behind the curve in it? I have to say the poll that we did, it's not scientific, but just among our uh, listeners today, an overwhelming yes. John, welcome to the show. Where are you? Do you think that we're way behind the curve on this and that everybody has a right to choose the time? If they're terminally ill, if there are certain safeguards in place, that it's up to them. Well, there were safeguards put in when the Eighth Amendment was removed. We were told that abortion would be very rare and only in exceptional circumstances. And we all see what happened there. Now, let's nail that once and for all. And I would be worried that this thing, I listened to Gino Kenny earlier on there, and he said, like, I mean, hold that, it would, the, the legislation would be kind of, it wouldn't, he felt it wouldn't be abused. That's, I mean, that would be only certain categories, like, and that would be nailed down. And he mentioned mental health and stuff like that. But we all know, I mean, it's only about two or three years ago, I think it was in Holland there, there was a teenager suffering from depression and her parents gave the permission for that child to be euthanized, in other words, killed. Now, if you're suffering from mental health problems, you're in no fit state to make a decision for anything to do with your physical or mental health first. I would be severely worried, Tara, that this would again open the floodgates. Well, I was canvassing and canvassed my ass off for the amendment. There was an elderly man came out of the door and he said, I'm going down to the polls tomorrow, John. I have to walk down. He said, I have no one to bring me, which I organised him to be brought myself personally after. But he said, the reason I'm going, he said, do you know why? I said, why, sir? He said, I never met this man before. Because if they come from the unborn, he said, then they'll come from me. And now here we go. And I would be terrified that this would be used and abused. It would come in at the start, there'd be this clause and that clause, and it would be tightened up here, tightened up there. It won't be abused. But again, just like the abortion, I think this will terrify elderly people out there who feel that there will be a burden to their family, and they'll say, look, let me out of here. But elderly people won't be able to avail of it. Being elderly won't allow you to avail of any potential laws that we may have. Being um, suffering from a psychiatric illness won't allow you to avail of any law that we have. Well, personally, Tara, I wouldn't trust anyone after what happened the years amendment. I wouldn't trust any of those politicians up there. I believe as a fasting Christian Catholic that evil is stark in the corridors and has been for quite a while of, the, of the, the parliament of this country. I think there are a bunch of atheists up there. I mean, it's just, to me, they're demonic. And I would be terrified that this, this would be used and abused just like the other amendment. I would be terrified. And I guarantee there's people out there listening out there are sick that will live on and want to live on that will be terrified of this. Like, I mean, I definitely believe 
just like the Eighth Amendment, it will be abused. But John, you're you know you're you're slagging off the politicians and saying that you don't trust them and that they're demonic. But at the end of the day, the politicians didn't do anything. The people voted for the Eighth Amendment, and it'll be the people who'll more most likely get a vote on the issue of assisted dying. It won't be anything to do with the politicians. Well, well, they're the ones. That, they're the ones who frame potential changes to our laws. Yeah, 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 but the so people the, have to vote for it. Uh, yeah, you're quite right. The people did vote, and I can't believe the sixty-six point four percent of Irish sovereign, so-called sovereign Irish people went out to vote to take the life of the unborn, to take its rights away. And now we have the figure now 13,224 children have been aborted so far. The politicians led on this. But they, what they should have done, if we had to have a referendum, they should have stayed neutral. They should have not campaigned. Leo Varadka promoted abortion. Michael Martin promoted abortion. Mary Lou MacDonald, the whole lot of them. I think what so they did, I think what they did, John, was that they um, supported the right for the people to have their say on the issue. Look, the referendum should have been called the same as we need a referendum in this snow, right? And the politicians, again, you just watch now. If we do get a referendum in the snow, they will again will stand up like they did in Darlene and Michal Martin, who's now the Taoiseach, a Kaufman like myself, and said it was okay to take the life of a 12-week-old child. He took thousands of votes away from pro-life and he'd done that because, unfortunately, some people were said in lead by the likes of the Michal Martins and the Varakas. What about the issue that you raised there about the elderly man? And I'm, I'm, mo- I'm, you know, I'm, I'm moving on to a slightly different argument with you, John. But it occurred to me when you were telling me the story about the elderly man who, you know, mm-hmm. needed help to get to vote. And, and you know, everybody in, in this country has a, a constitutional right to vote in referendums and elections of, of, of all types and plebiscites and the likes. But what about, and there have been some suggestions in recent years that people over a certain age shouldn't be voting in constitutional referendums that have an impact on future generations. Well, I don't believe in that because of the simple reason everyone deserves to vote. It doesn't matter whether you're 19 or whether you're 90 years of age. But you're if, you're, if, you're, if you're 90 years of age, should you have a right to impact on the lives of a 19-year-old? Well, well the fact is, we'll say a 90-year-old man will say that this man, I say, wasn't far off at the right back to the polling booth, right? And we know he came of his own uh, free will. I didn't entice him in any way he wanted to go. But that man was voting uh, uh, morally, morally. And he is quite entitled morally to vote, even though he was 90 years of age, for the protection of what he believed was the unborn child. He was voting for the protection of the unborn child. It doesn't matter whether he'd be dead the week after or he wouldn't live another year. That's not the point. The point is he was taking a moral vote for the protection of the unborn. And whether he was 90 or 19, he was quite entitled to do that. And what about, uh, you know, the person who is in, do you have any empathy at all, John, for somebody who finds themselves in this individual situation? Of course they have, have a diagnosis. But I mean, again, just like we were told that abortion would be rare, if you walk the gates, is the flood going to come? This is the danger. And as a girl, if it comes down to a board, look, I, 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 I wouldn't hold my breath as a girl trusting the Irish people and this because after what happened with the 66.4%, I never saw that coming then. What about, though, you know... You're not in a situation, and thank God you're not in a situation, John, 
that you've had a terminal diagnosis and you're staring down the barrel of not being able to go to the toilet yourself, not being able to wash yourself or dress yourself or feed yourself, you know, and and having to be in pain continuously, not being able to sleep because of pain. Does it worry you that if you're in that situation, that there's no way out of it for you? And I want you to think about yourself now at your age, but also maybe when you were in your 30s, for example, or your mm-hmm. 20s. Yeah. Well, well, you see, the thing is, if I do reach that situation, right, I may not have the option, like, of taking my own life, which is not a crime anymore in this country. At one stage of us, oh, you prosecute prosecuted that person would be on me like but that was a crime in one stage but I had the option like you mean of taking ending my own life which a person every one of us has that option anyway but I mean mean, look it strikes me as bizarre that you would advocate for that your right to do that yourself and then not to allow people who uh, to to do it but under the care of medics in a a non um, you know in a non-violent way in a way that's not going to shock their family that's done with the the support of their families for the simple reason then like I mean it wouldn't be legislative it's up to the individual if they want to, if they're in terminal pain, to take their own life. It's up to that individual. Then it's not you're not being legislated. So then I, it's not I, being law of the land. I'm thinking, John, with the with the you know all due respect, as the uh, old chestnut of a saying goes, it seems like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth on that one. To be honest with you, they do have a right and they don't have a right as long as it's not a legal right, as long as it's not enshrined in the constitution. We did a Twitter poll on this, uh, kicking off at the start of the program. Forty nine percent of people on Twitter saying yes. They agree with assisted dying. 39% no, 11.9% not sure. Uh, Wow, that would be an interesting one if it was replicated in an actual real um, referendum tomorrow. Um, But I think, yeah, it's it's not as clear cut maybe as as Gino Kenny might think. I I do think there's still people who, who have a lot of resistance to the issue of assisted dying. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.